uh, like that as well. So, okay, so I want to get into the message this morning. And uh, my topic today is Thanksgiving. And I want us to look at uh, a, a passage in the book of Philippians. We were there last week, but we're going to end in uh, Philippians chapter 4 today. And so if you've got your device or you've got your Bible with you, turn to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to look at, at six verses that the Apostle Paul closes out this letter of love to this church in Philippi. And while you're turning to those verses, we're going to also have some fill-ins uh, for you up on the screen as well. You probably got a fill-in uh, as you came in. And um, uh, while you're turning to those verses, Paul was writing this letter to really kind of encourage the church to be the church in their community. This church in Philippi was on the east-west um, uh, trade route. And so the, the church and Paul knew that they had a great influence. It's kind of like being in a city like this that people from all over the world and all over the nation come to. This church is in a place that can be influential all around the globe and all around the nation. And so he wanted to, he wanted to give them the truth that they needed to be able to be the church they were called to be. And so in the last, four, uh, the last chapter, this, uh, verses 4 through 9, he presents to them a challenge. He actually gives them some keys on how to have a life that's filled with hope, filled with thankfulness, and filled with the gospel of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And, uh, and I want to walk you through these verses. Let me read them first. And then we're going to look at four keys to having a thankful heart this week and throughout the rest of the year and into next year. Okay? Verse 4 says this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming again. And He's coming soon. Now don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure and lovely, and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Let me share a story with you. Uh, near the end of, uh, and this is a Thanksgiving story, you may have read this before, you may have heard this before, but near the end of the Civil War in the United States, the president, Abraham Lincoln, was, was faced with trying to bring a nation back together. And he proclaimed a national day of prayer and thanksgiving. And what makes his unique is, uh, well, you'll hear about it as we get through the story. Uh, it wasn't the first thanksgiving that anybody in the nation had proclaimed. In fact, by this time, by this time, Every state in the Union was proclaiming a day of thanksgiving sometime in October or November to give thanks to God. And, uh, and so it was a, a common thing for our nation 
to draw together at a certain time of year and give especially thanks to God for all that he's doing and has done. But he proclaimed a, a, a special day of thanksgiving and prayer, and this is what he wrote. This is part of what he wrote. He said, The year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. Now, he knew the divisions that he was facing. In fact, this was, this was the waning year of the, the Civil War. And he knew that just a few months before, 50,000 people died on the fields of Gettysburg. He knew the divisions that he was facing. But rather than lead the nation into a place of darkness and despair, he pointed them toward God. He pointed them toward a thankfulness in their hearts, toward what God was offering them, a chance to redeem and unite again. And the thing that made this one so special is because this declaration set in place the fourth Thursday of every November that the nation would celebrate Thanksgiving, and we do that again still today. And this from, interestingly enough, this from the only president we've ever had who never joined a church. He knew the Lord, but he never, he never joined membership in a church. But he, he uh, led, the, led the nation into a place of thankfulness, even in a time of darkness like that. And this reminds us that as we're finishing our shopping and, and filling up our refrigerator with food that we're going to be cooking later on this week, and as we're gassing up our SUVs and our cars to get ready to take a trip, as we're doing those last-minute preparations for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving isn't just a day that we celebrate. It's, a, it's an attitude of the heart. It's who we are inside. It's a position of humility that we take that all that we have is really from God. And we can be thankful because he has poured out goodness to us. And so I shared that story because it leads into my first point. Because you know, 150 years ago, uh, he declared a day of thanksgiving. And today, as we move toward our day of thanksgiving this week, we need to pursue a thankful life. We need to pursue having a thankful heart this week. Now, I know that a lot of conversations go, along, go around the table. Political, sports, family, who's here, who's not there. There are a lot of conversations. But I hope that this morning, the four keys that I give you will help you to enter into the, thank, the Thanksgiving season with a heart of gratitude. And the conversations that happen around the table will be pointed toward the God who's given us this life. And so first, the first key I want to give you that comes out of this passage is that, that we need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. Regardless of the circumstances, we need to rejoice. The circumstances that we find ourselves in are far outweighed by the goodness that God has poured out on our lives. 
So make this week one that no matter what you face, no matter the circumstances you're in, you will choose to rejoice. You'll choose a life that's filled with joy. In fact, the, the, the key thing in the word rejoice is joy. Find joy in your life this week. Make those conversations echo with joy. Joy looks for the things in our life that can be celebrated. And so if you look for the joy in the circumstances, you'll be able to celebrate in those circumstances. Now, people often confuse the word happiness with the word joy. I had a friend of mine who helped me to understand this. He said happiness is all about the surface. Happiness, even the way you say it, happy. It's right there on the tip of your tongue. But joy is deep. Joy is deep in our lives. And so happiness is about the things that, that reside on the surface of our lives. The difference between happy and joy is location. God is all about what's deep inside of our lives. And he wants us to have joy in our lives. Happiness is on the tongue. Joy is from the gut. Happiness depends on circumstances to be there. Joy finds happiness and celebration in the midst of our circumstances. I like how the message puts it. The message puts this verse like this. It says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him, celebrate in him. So this week, start off by choosing joy and celebrate the week and make your conversations point to that. Well, there's a second key as well, and the next verse shares that. The second key is this, to have a thankful heart this season, reunite with people. Reunite with people. Be gentle and be considerate of others. When the, Paul, when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, he was writing to help unite people as well. See, there were two people, there were two ladies in the church. They were leaders in the church, and they were at odds with each other. The two names of the people were, let me see if I can get this right. Euodia and Sinctity. I may have gotten that last one wrong. Euodia means a good journey. Sinctity means pleasant friend. But in their circumstances, they were neither having a pleasant journey or a good friendship. And Paul said, get along, reunite. The call on your life is far more important than the petty disagreements that you have. And so, uh, so Paul was encouraging the church to be the church and make relationships right. You know, leaders sometimes don't get, get along. Sometimes church people don't get along. Sometimes family members don't get along. And the word that God encourages us with today is reunite with people. Whatever it takes, whatever your attitude and whatever your step is to be, reunite with people. Now, I would imagine that if you, you know, if you thought through your relationships, that, that you would know people that you need to reunite with. There's forgiveness to extend. There's uh, mercy to give away. There's maybe words of offering forgiveness and words of giving forgiveness that need to be given. And in your relationships, you can have long-term relationships that in those relationships you may not get along with every time. 
and you have to restore and you have to reunite. Or you can have short-term relationships and then whenever something goes wrong, you bolt and run. Or you can take the third course and if you have relationships that need to go the distance with you, you can reunite with them. And so choose this season to reunite in your relationships. We don't get along sometimes. We hold grudges. We hold judgments. There are things that we do that cause fractures in those relationships. And so I would ask you right now, if somebody has popped into your mind, a face has crossed your memories, and you're thinking, oh, I wish that relationship was where it used to be. I would ask you right now to make a plan to reunite in that relationship. That's something God would have you to do. And that's something that would honor him. And that's something that would bring thankfulness into your life this Thanksgiving. And so be encouraged to do that. These verses say, be gentle to one another. Let me also encourage you to do this. Be gentle with yourself. You know, sometimes God the Holy Spirit brings things up in our lives and reminds us that we need to come to him and make changes and repent and get things right with him. Sometimes God does that. And God does that to us to make us more like him. God does that to help us to be better. God does that so that we can walk more in his fullness. But sometimes the enemy dredges things up that you've already dealt with that you've already gotten God's forgiveness for, that, that is clean before the Father already, but the enemy dredge. Have you ever seen what a dredge gets up whenever they go through a river? All kinds of garbage comes up out of the bottom. And the enemy dredges through our hearts sometimes and causes us to, to recall things that are in the past. And so if that's your case, if you find yourself under a burden of guilt, or if you find yourself struggling with those kinds of things, recognize it for what it is. That's the enemy. So be gentle with yourself. Listen to God, but be gentle with yourself. And don't let the enemy dredge things up that don't need to be brought back into your lives. So be gentle with others. Be gentle with yourself this week. And I like Paul's reasoning here. He says, do this, do this because... The gospel of Jesus Christ is far more important than the petty things that we experience in life. The relational things that cause us to separate often are far less important than what we really make them out to be. And so, so uh, the message of Jesus is far more important. And he says this, because you know, Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. Now, there's two ways you can look at that. He is coming back soon. He is coming back soon. Maybe in our day, maybe not in our day, but he is coming back soon. But whenever you and I reunite with each other, when you and I extend forgiveness and mercy, the presence of God is seen. He comes into that relationship. He comes into that circumstance, and he is there present. And so reunite with others. Be gentle with others and be gentle with yourself. Well, I've got a third truth. The third truth is this. Replace 
worry with prayer. Replace your worry with prayer. Now, what he says about this is really exciting because he says when we do that, he places a guard around our minds. You know, our, our minds need the power of God. Don't our minds need God's power to function right? Wouldn't you like your mind to function right? Well, God's power is there to help our minds function right. So he says, replace those worries that nag at you and bicker in your mind. Replace those with prayer. Now here's kind of what happens. Here's the, the picture that he gives. He says, he says, name the worry. Name that worry. What is that thing that you're worried about? Name that worry and then give it to God and ask for his solution. Ask for him to take care of it. Ask for him to provide what needs to be provided. Name the worry, give it to God, then trust him with it. Place it in his hands and release it into his hands. And then it says, thank him for the outcome. Give thanks to him for what he's done and what he's doing in that circumstance. And then when you do that, what you've done is you've released that worry to not be yours anymore. You know, God can take care of worries a lot better than we can. And so you release that to God, and then God's able to take care of that. That's the solution. Now, here's what, here's what God does. And it's a really powerful picture. It's a picture of what God does when we do that. When we grab hold of an issue and we begin to worry and, and, and you know, just kind of re rehearse it and think it and try to solve it and, and wish it wasn't there and, you know, that worry kind of gets hold of us. Well, we name it, and in the presence of God, we release it into his hands, and we trust that not only does he know about it, not only does he care for us, and not only does he have a solution for it, but he has the big picture. He has the big picture. He knows how to solve that worry. And then we thank him for it, and here's what happens. It says that he sends in his peacekeeping force. He sends in peace, and that peacekeeping force sets up a sentinel. And that's the word picture he gives here. It sets up a sentinel around our mind. The entry points that those worries want to come in, he sets up his peace as a peacekeeping force, a sentinel to guard those places in our, in our minds. And you know the guards have names. One of the guards may be called, God's got this. God's got this. Another one of the guards may be called, you know, he loves me and he has my best interests at heart. Another one of the guards may be called, his timing's perfect. Not my timing, but his timing is perfect. Or he will never leave me or forsake me. All of those promises that God has been pouring into your heart come back as sentinels of peace for your mind to keep the worries at bay. That's what happens when we pray. And so replace your worries this Thanksgiving with prayer. So I've got one more. The fourth key to having a thankful life is this. It's simply remember the good walk. Remember the good walk. And this is our final key for making this the best Thanksgiving filled with thankfulness that we can have. Remember what it's like to walk as a child of God. Remember who you are and remember what it's like to walk as a child 
of God. Exchange the tensions and the worries and the pressures that come at times, even at seasons like this. Replace those worries and replace those tensions with this. What you know to be true, what you are determined to make honorable in your own life, whatever choices would be right for you to make, what leaves you knowing that the motives of your heart are pure. That's a good one. That the motives of your heart are pure toward others and toward him. And what highlights your story of your life, that those things are lovely, those things are pure, and they are admirable. Replace what life that tends to give tension to you with what you know to be true. In a word, what he says, if it's best to do, if it's best to think, and it brings God praise, do it. Do it. Now, he also says, you know people in your life who live like this. Let them be your models. Look to them for inspiration. Look to them for, for the, uh, the encouragement to live the Christian life like you should. And I imagine that you probably can be thankful today for people like that in your life. People who have poured into your life. People who have modeled what it means to walk as a Christian. People who have, have demonstrated to you what love and compassion and mercy and what is true and honorable and admirable are like. And you can be thankful for those people. You can be thankful for them today and on into the Thanksgiving season because they've poured good things into your life. Now imagine as, we're, as I was talking about that, again, people walked by your mind, people came to the surface of your memories that you can be thankful for. I was thinking when I was writing this and preparing, I was thinking about Bob down in Texas who poured good things into my life and demonstrated what a hilarious Christian life could be like. I thought about, um, about Tim. I thought about Joan, and I thought about, about Ray. And these were all people that were influential in my life. And I remember their walk being one of integrity. Not perfection. Not sinless. But integrity and consistency. And so remember what people are like like that and be thankful for them. And make your life reflect that kind of a lifestyle. Remember the walk and live as children of God. One of my life verses is in another one of the short books in the New Testament. It says this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. And this is one of those verses that I return to again and again to encourage me. It says this, So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. So, make this week a week that you rejoice in all the good things God's done. Make this a week that you reunite with people. I mean, really reunite with people. Take the relationship where it needs to go. Make this a week that you make prayer rather than worry the source of your conversation and the source of your thankfulness. And remember to walk as children of God because that's exactly who God's called you to be, his children.